0: Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams.
1: Folks, welcome again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Oh, we're so pleased always uh, when you join us here on AM 990 and FM 101.5 The Word in Orlando. I'll tell you who else is pleased. That's Pete Paquette, because he's our engineer, gets us on the air. Andrew Herdliska does the producing. Troy Anderson's our first guest. He's in Orange County, California, Uh, writer for Reuters, Newsmax, Town Hall, other media outlets. We're going to talk about his book, The Military Guide to Disarming Deception, Battlefield Tactics to Expose the Enemy's Lies and Triumph in Truth. Troy, first of all, welcome to Orlando. Uh, Nice to catch up with you. How are you? Hey, uh, Pat. It's it's great to be on this show. Troy, I got to tell you, I was impressed when my friend uh, Robert Jeffries uh, wrote the foreword to your book. How about that, huh?
2: Yeah, that was an incredible honor. We we interviewed him for the book and then he agreed to uh, write the foreword. So that, that was amazing. Uh,
1: what's the background of this book? Why was it important for you to write it? So in uh, early
2: 2018, my co author, retired U.S. Army Chaplain and Colonel David Giamona, got to hold of me out of the blue. And he'd written a book at that time called The Making of a Warrior. And. Uh, and he contacted me to help him uh, you know, write and edit and get that, uh, get that book published. That ultimately became what's called The Military Guide to Armageddon. It came out in early 2021, number one bestseller, and uh, the book was designed to help people get ready for the end times, and that, that book did so well that the publisher asked us to write another book, so then we thought, you know, what, what's, what's the biggest thing in the world going on today? This is a you know, it's sort of the middle of the pandemic, and we thought it's it's deception. The world is deluded in massive deception. This is a, a tactic of the enemy that he's used, you know, throughout time. And so we wrote this new book, the military guide to disarming deception, to help people, their families uh, navigate all the disinformation, you know, deception, uh, fake news, cancel culture, wokeism, you, you, you name it. All the stuff we're we're getting um, bombarded
1: with today. Troy, your book breaks down into three parts. Part one is spiritual deception. Let's get started there. Uh, You write about complacency can kill you in the great rebellion, subversion, opposing forces, psychological operations, center of operations. I want to hear all about this.
2: So in in the military, one of the key things they teach you is that complacency can kill you. And so this is what we've seen in a spiritual sense, here in America and in the West for many decades. Uh, you know, we've enjoyed such great peace, prosperity, and blessings from God that we've become complacent. And so, you know, much of the Church is sort of largely asleep to what's happening. And so so we wrote these books to help wake up the Church and help people get ready for all these different changes that are occurring now. And, um, and then, you know, Chapter 2 is called The Great Rebellion, And uh, what that talks about is in the Bible, it talks about a a great apostasy that occurs in the end times, a departure from the truth. And so what we've seen, uh, you know, recent Barna polls show only about six to nine percent of Americans uh, hold a biblical worldview. In other words, they believe the entire Bible is true. And so uh, as as we depart from the truth of the Bible, the truth from God's Word, we see all these, uh, you know, different, uh, you know, doctrines and, and theories and and sort of anything kind of goes atmosphere. And um, and then we also, we go into subversion. In, in the military, one of the, the tactics that the uh, enemies use is, is to subvert and uh, use uh, uh, psychological operations on their enemies to demoralize the enemy and uh, to weaken them. And so, uh, you know, I've, I've been a journalist for three decades. You know, I've never seen the level of deception in the media and uh, government and entertainment and uh, education that we're seeing today, and in the past, uh, you know, intelligence agencies would use psychological operations on other countries, but we've now seen this phenomena of uh, psyops being used on the American population uh, for probably for one of the you know, most significant times. And so, so, so in these chapters, we explore all these different things we're we're uh, being uh, subjected to and, and how to how to successfully navigate all this.
1: Uh, Then you move to uh, part two, Uh, deception in the world system, and I want you to expand on night vision goggles and politics and media, age of deception, education, indoctrination and propaganda, intellectual deception, technology, evolution, and UFOs. Oh my goodness, Troy, tell us more.
2: So, so in the, one of the, the key uh, technologies that the military, our, our military, has used in recent years and helped us achieve success in, in different wars are night vision goggles. Because if you can see in the dark, essentially, you can you can attack the enemy in the dark and they can't see you. It's so like you, you have a great advantage. And so, so we look at this in the in the sense of a, a biblical sense. You know, how how do we uh, you know grow spiritually? You know, use the weapons of our warfare. You know, the sword of the Spirit, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of salvation, all these things that the Apostle Paul talks about to be successful in these spiritual battles that we face. And so that chapter, Night Vision Goggles, you know, talks about how to how to use the full armor of God to, to be victorious in, in the battles we face every day. Uh, the, the next chapter, Politics of Media, Age of Deception. You know, like I mentioned, uh, we've never seen the level of uh, deception that's going on today. I read a recent uh, study. It said that uh, 80 to 90 percent of people are, are he- heavily influenced by, you know, mass media disinformation campaigns. And so, y- even though you, you may not believe it, but you, you, we are heavily influenced by what we hear and, and read and see. And so, th- this, this uh, teaches you how to how to find good sources of truth in the media. You know, most you know radio stations like yours, and most uh, you know Christian and and uh, uh, conservative media do a very good job of, of telling the truth. Um, the next chapter is education, indoctrination, and propaganda. So for, for decades now, we've seen this, this effort uh, to try to uh, indoctrinate youth. And, and uh, you know, polls show, you know, 50 to 60 percent of young people now see socialism and communism as good things, even though over the past century and a half, you know, Nazi Germany was a socialist country. You know, Russia and China, there was communist revolutions there. Over 120 million people died Many executed, starved to death, terrible things happened and, and now we see uh you know youth believing that uh, these are good things and uh, you know polls show I think like sixty five percent of people worldwide uh, view themselves as, as global citizens instead of uh, national citizens and so there's been a lot of propaganda in, in our educational system that has uh, moved us away from our judeo Christian foundations here in america and then uh, intellectual deception, technology, evolution, and UFOs. Uh, you know, the first the first lie that Satan uh, you know, told Eve in the Garden of Eden was, did God really say? Did God really say you can't eat from the tree of knowledge and good and evil? And it's, it's the same kind of lie and deception that the devils used uh, throughout time. And so, uh, you know, about a century and a half ago, uh, Charles Darwin released On the Origin of Species and talked about evolution, that we supposedly had... Evolved from you know, uh, know, perhaps you know, lightning hit a mud puddle a long time ago, and the first life began, and we evolved from that. and And so, this sort of lie that uh, you know we've evolved, we weren't created by God. And so, if that's the case, and we're not going to face a judgment day, then pretty much we can do anything we want. So, from from that lie that's been perpetuated for a century and a half now, uh, combined with all the new technologies, you know, all the Hollywood movies up, you know. Uh, you know, d- aliens and UFOs and all that kind of stuff. There's now polls showing that uh, four to eight times as many Americans believe in UFOs and the possibility of aliens visiting us than actually hold the biblical worldview. So this has been you know, hugely influential, and now you have the whole transhumanist movement, people believing that we're gonna merge with technology., uh, there's a professor in, in uh, Israel, Yuval uh, Noah Harari, uh, who uh, written some books that sold about forty million copies. He talks about us becoming as gods, and uh, you know, possibly we'll develop you know technologies and genetics that can we, we could live possibly hundreds of years, and so it's it's. And, you know, of course, the Bible tells us you know we're only going to live 120 at the max, and so that there's all these deceptions, all these sort of lies that the devils like use to deceive us and and move us away from the truth.
1: By the way, uh, that little mention of of 120 at the most. Uh I'm 82 now Troy. And uh I I'm intrigued by living to 120. Um any any counsel, any advice?
2: Well, I, you know, the Bible actually says that essentially if you live a good life and you follow the Bible and I guess if you eat healthy and that kind of thing, you'll know, you might hit 120. So more, more power to you. Keep keep going.
1: <laughs> okay, Troy. That sounds great. Now, here here's the biggie. Personal deception. The Hollywood deception. The Elijah principle. The battle space of the mind. Family and society. What right looks like. Avoiding end times pitfalls. Oh, there's a lot of meat here, Troy, so uh, carve it up for us.
2: Yeah, so um, what? one of the people that endorsed the book is um, – uh, Hugh Ross, he's the founder of Reasons to Believe. He's an astrophysicist. He said, uh, this book will prepare you to recognize and counter deception, not only in politics, religion, media, and science, but especially in yourself. And so in this, this final section of the book, we talk about uh, personal deception. So, you know, what one of the biggies is the Hollywood deception. So, you know, for many decades now, we've been bombarded with all these movies about, you know, superheroes and aliens and UFOs and, All these different fantastic things, and you have all these these amazing CGI graphics that we see in the movies. And so this is, uh, you know, it's almost created a a new kind of belief system, sort of this new spirituality, this new age kind of belief system that's very prominent today. There's so so while these polls show only six to nine percent have a biblical worldview, uh, these people, regular people, go to church. It says about sixty percent hold various new spirituality beliefs. So you know like. Star Wars talks about the Force. And so, you know, uh, many, uh, I think it's like 60% of people, you know, think there could be reincarnation. There's many paths to heaven. You know, of course, Jesus said, that, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me, but through the Father. And so the Bible and Jesus clearly tell us there's only one way to heaven. That's through Jesus by asking Him to forgive you of your sins, and He'll take you to heaven someday. But but Hollywood, the entertainment industries perpetuated this uh, sort of new belief system that. Uh, there's many paths to heaven, and and, and you know, the Bible's not true. Uh, the Elijah principle, so Elijah is this great prophet, and there's a famous story in the Bible about how he had challenged the prophets of Baal to a, a contest, essentially. He asked them, see if you can call down fire from heaven to burn up this uh, stack of wood and the sacrifice, and they, they did everything they possibly could. They cut themselves, they danced, they appealed to their, their gods, their demons, nothing happened, and then Elijah you know, called on the power of God, and not only did fire come from heaven to consume the, the pile of wood and the sacrifice, but it consumed all the prophets of Baal. And so it's this amazing, you know, miraculous story. And Elijah uh, participated in that. But then uh, Jezebel, the, the queen, uh, wanted to kill him, and so he fled to the wilderness and uh, sat down under a bush and and wanted to die. And so you know, he was, he was uh, you know apparently depressed after. After you know, Jezebel's coming after him, and then an angel came and tended to him and took care of him, and and uh, he managed to escape, and everything was okay. So the Elijah principle is, you know, you, you may see the Lord do amazing miracles in your life, and then afterward you may feel a little down or so. So you know, the, the message is, you know, persevere. You know, God will take you, take you through it. Um, the the next one's battle states of the mind. So there, there's this great spiritual battle going on in our lives. And uh, largely it's, uh, it's goes on you know, inside our heads. And so you have the enemy and you have uh, you know, God and, and all kinds of different messages. And so one of the key things is to draw close to the Lord through reading the Bible, prayer, fellowship, maybe have a small group, uh, a good mentor uh, to help you uh, discern the truth, uh, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. He, he can guide you successfully through you know, the different trials and tribulations and temptations we face in life. And then uh, family and society, you know, it's, it's very important to, you know, to raise up your kids properly, to uh, take them to church, read the Bible to them, pray with them, uh, you know, teach them, uh, you know, the good things about the Lord and, and the Bible. And then uh, we have a chapter called What Right Looks Like. And uh, so this is a, a chapter that helps you um, helps you explain to your, your children, uh, you know, how to navigate all this deception today, how to understand the truth, uh, see through the lies of the enemy. And then finally... Uh, uh, a volume, end times pitfalls. Um, you know, one of the, the great uh, uh, secrets of, of successfully navigating this new time we find ourselves in is to walk in the supernatural power, protection, and provision of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, several years ago, my wife asked me to start keeping a journal of things that seem miraculous in our lives, and so in early 2016, I started uh, writing down uh, anything that seemed like a miracle. So this this log has now grown to. Like 170 pages, of 165 entries of this miracle after miracle in our lives. So it's a it's a gigantic faith builder to watch how you know God does intervene in our life, and so that's the Lord's going to take us through this time. And then finally, uh, the conclusion: Be one of the few, and the Marines that talk about uh, uh, you know being one of the few, and so you know God is raising up an, an army to bring in the final harvest, and so you know we like to encourage people to to join the Lord's army, become a good soldier of Christ, and and do what you can to uh, bring people to faith in the Lord.
1: (coughs) My guest is Troy Anderson from Southern California, talking about his book, The Military Guide to Disarming Deception. We have another segment with Troy. Stay with us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's uh, AM 990, FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. Uh, We will be right back.
0: More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Troy Anderson, um, writer for
1: writers, Newsmax, Town Hall, other media outlets, Pulitzer Prize-nominated investigative journalist. He's our guest. Uh, talking about his book, The Military Guide to Disarming Deception. Troy, the conclusion of your book, be one of the few. What are you writing there? You know, so,
2: you know, for the last dozen years I've been investigating, are are we really moving into these end-time events that the Bible talks about? And I've interviewed, you know, hundreds of major faith leaders, experts in geopolitics, intelligence, military affairs, science. you know I interviewed Billy Graham several years ago, and he said that, that signs of the end of the age are converging for the first time since Jesus made those predictions. But even, uh, even the experts at these existential risk institutes at Oxford and MIT and, and Princeton, uh, they say we're approaching the end of human civilization unless drastic actions are taken. You know, Oxford releases this uh, report, annual report, called the uh, Future uh, Their the, the of Humanity Institute, releases the annual report on the top 10 threats facing the world. And they talk about things, you know, nuclear war, extreme climate change, uh, an asteroid impact, artificial intelligence run amok. We also talk about a possibility of a global totalitarian government. And so recently we saw the, the World Economic Forum announce the Great Reset of Capitalism. Uh, Klaus Schwab, their chairman, talked about this new technocratic, uh, geopolitical, global governance system they'd like to bring online worldwide. And even President Biden came out and, and said that America needed to, needed to lead the new world order. And uh, there's a, there's a lively poll that said that nine in ten pastors now see signs of the end times in current events. So there's just all this uh, you know sort of evidence I've been accumulating and putting in four different books that it, it appears we are moving into these these end times that Jesus and the prophets talked about thousands of years ago. And so as this happens, if you look at it, this this is the most exciting time to be a believer in history. You know, God's put us all here at this particular time in history. Uh, Today we have mass media communications. We have this unprecedented ability to spread the gospel through social media, through the media, uh, books, magazines, radio, TV, uh, you know, talking to your neighbors, talking to your family. There's, there's all these ways that we can uh, you know, spread the gospel, which is Jesus' primary uh, command to us in the Great Commission is to take good news to all the world. And Jesus is the good news. He, he died for us. He uh, uh, forgives us of our sins. And so all we have to do is just ask him to come into our hearts, and uh, he'll forgive us of all our sins and then bring us to heaven one day. And so when we talk about being one of the few, you know, we're encouraging people to join God's army. Uh, become a soldier of Christ and fight the good fight, be brave and courageous. You know, there's all these stories in the Bible of sort of ordinary people that God used in miraculous ways, and he performed all these gigantic miracles through. And so if you just, you know, draw close to the Lord, ask him to use you, he will. He'll he'll put you to good service, and and you'll be amazed at what
1: happens. What do you want people to take from this discussion, Troy? Uh, Yeah, we just like to encourage people to— you know, even
2: though we're seeing all these changes in the world and all these sort of, you know, unusual things are happening, to be of good cheer, to, to be courageous, to, to be filled with the hope of the Lord, He's, you know, most likely returning soon. And so this is a great time to be alive, to be a Christian, and to, you know, join us. We we formed a ministry called Battle Ready Ministries. We've been speaking to churches and, and conferences around the country. You know, we, we have a, a free newsletter. Uh, it's at uh, battle-ready.org. People can sign up for and find out more. And um, so we just encourage people to, uh, you know, read these books, uh, be encouraged, you know, delve into the Bible, draw close to the Lord, pray, and and the Lord will take us through whatever the future holds.
1: Troy, <clears throat> what's next for you? You 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 did this book as a follow up. Is there something burning within you?
2: Uh, actually, we've got uh, we've got several different book projects in various stages, and. Uh, there's an exciting possibility of a, a TV series, uh, like an Amazon or Netflix series, that we're beginning to work on on uh, the book of Revelation. So uh, that, that's a very exciting project we're we're working on now.
1: What did Robert Jeffries write in his forward?
2: Yeah, so he started the forward saying, uh, "It is no secret that deception today is running rampant throughout the earth. When Jesus Christ's disciples asked him two thousand years ago about." the sign of your coming and at the end of the age. He told them, watch out that no one deceives you. That's Matthew 24, 3 to 4. Dr. Jeffers said, I am convinced that the Military Guide to Disarming Deception by Colonel David Giamona and Pulitzer Prize nominated investigative journalist Troy Anderson will help you and your family not only stand firm against the lies of the enemy in the last days, but also discern and combat the propaganda, disinformation, and deceptive ideologies that infiltrate the church and society." This is a life-changing, hard-hitting, and deeply insightful book that will help you rise in confident biblical assurance, applying military and spiritual intelligence disciplines to your life to become an on-fire disciple of Christ and soldier in the Army of the Lord. The forces of darkness are amassing in battle array. Satan and his hordes know their time is short, and as the last days approach, they are pulling out all the stops, not just to deceive the world, but to bring deception to the church. They're launching an all-out attack against the Word of God and the Church. Never in history has it been so critical a time for us to understand God's Word and to prepare ourselves and our loved ones for the war against the people of God. I am concerned that many will be swept away by the deception and lies the enemy is using to set the global stage for the Antichrist, the false prophet, and the mark of the beast economic system. And then he goes on to say that uh, um, as plagues, pestilences, and wars, and rumors of wars run throughout this world, we need new direction, fresh ideas, inspired words, and Holy Spirit-focused to live a life directed by Jesus himself. Here you will find how to use the weapons of a warfare to prepare for battle and to understand the fog of war. There's even a chapter called Night Vision Goggles that will help you detect and overcome the deception all around us. You'll be captivated by numerous examples of the warrior Ed ethos and Bible characters such as David, Moses, Elijah, Daniel, and others. Scripture references abound, giving us the foundation on which to build the army of the Lord. Or as I say, Adonai's army. I was fascinated to read an observation in an introduction that in the military, everyone has heard a thousand times, complacency can kill you. We need to prepare for the unexpected. Deception will keep us complacent and actually ensure our demise if we are negligent in our approach to life. Understanding the enemy's deceptive ta- strategies is the key to gaining wisdom and defeating the devil. Guillermo and Anderson show us real life and personal inspirational stories, as well as written guidelines how to Become Battle Ready. In recent years, the Church has been dedicated to making converts, but not disciples trained to avoid the pitfalls of deception and ready for spiritual combat. This book is the training manual for the coming revival and revolution of the Church. Many today are talking of revival. My concern is what happens after the revival ends. This book answers the question, then what? Join us in the worldwide revolution of the Church that in these end times will fight the powers of darkness and win the many and the list disciples as warriors for our
1: Messiah. Um, Troy, there's one chapter I want you to go back and expand on. It's at the very beginning of your book. Complacency can kill you. I I, I want to, I want to hear more on that. Yeah, so you know the, the Bible
2: tells us in the end times will be marked by you know false prophets claiming they're Christ. Uh, you know, lots of deception. Uh, you know. Ultimately, the Bible tells us there's a global dictator that's coming, uh, the, known as the Antichrist. He's going to be a master deceiver, you know, a patient diplomat with incredible negotiating skills, uh, who'll be empowered by the devil. And it said that, you know, it says that in the tribulation he'll preside over the deaths of half, the two thirds, or more of the world's population uh, before the return of Christ. And so, as it appears that we're approaching this time, you know, of course, you know, Jesus said. You know, the Bible, only God knows when this will happen. It's all under his His control. But it does, you know, Jesus did tell us to watch for signs of his return, and it appears we're seeing a lot of those. So as we approach this time, uh, you know, the Bible tells us there'll be great deception, and I believe that's what we're seeing now. And so they, one of the greatest lies and deception the devil is using is trying to keep us complacent, to lull us into, you know, complacency. So we want to encourage people, you know, to become active. You know, at the very least, go vote. You may have to do jury duty, but it's a, it's a small price to pay for maintaining freedom and democracy. And, uh, you know, get involved in your church. You know, put, put, help your kids, uh, you know, do Bible studies with them, you know, teach them to pray, you know, uh, fellowship. Maybe join a small group, um, you know, stand up, speak out, um, push back against this, this agenda that's being, uh, these that are being per- perpetrated against this. And, uh you know, look look for sources of truth, and, and instead of you know allowing yourself to be you know immersed in all of the lies and deceptions of the you know the entertainment industry and the mainstream media and that kind of thing.
1: Well, folks, <clears throat> our guest in this first segment has been Troy Anderson, <clears throat> talking about his book, The Military Guide to Disarming Deception: Battlefield Tactics to Expose the Enemy's Lies and Triumph in Truth. We've got more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. Uh, We will be right back.
0: More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Troy Anderson, our guest in that
1: first segment here on the Pat Williams, Saturday Power Hour, uh, talking about his book, The Military Guide to Disarming Deception. Well, we stay on the West Coast. Troy was in Southern California. We go up to Bellevue, Washington. Rich Stearns is there, uh, President Emeritus at World Vision U.S. Uh, We're going to talk about his book, Lead Like It Matters to God, Values-Driven Leadership in a Success-Driven World. Rich? Welcome to Orlando. I'm uh, glad to catch up with you. Thanks, Pat. Good to be on the program. Tell me about your book.
3: Well, you know, I've uh, I've had kind of a varied leadership career. Uh, as you just mentioned, I was president of World Vision U.S. for 20 years, uh, large ministry, uh, international ministry. But before that, I was actually the CEO of Lenox Fine China, And before that, I was the CEO of Parker Brothers Games, the Monopoly Clue and Sorry People. So I've had a really varied career, and uh, I just felt I had some leadership lessons to share with Christian leaders in particular, uh, although I think the principles work for any leader. Um, And I wanted to put it down in a book, and so I I wrote this book, Values-Driven Leadership in a Success-Driven World, uh, the title Lead Like It Matters to God, and I— that you know, this is about values and leading with character, and I also felt that right now in our nation uh, and in the church and in corporate America, we need uh, we need to strengthen our values and our core, uh, our, our kind of uh, moral compasses.
1: Rich, you open your book with this topic, Leadership Changes the World, <clears throat> Joining the Revolution. Uh, fill us in.
3: Well, Um, first of all, leadership is so important. And, uh, in that introductory chapter, I talk about how just about everything that's accomplished on planet earth, uh, involves a group of people being led, uh, to accomplish something. So, you know, something is, uh, something like the space program, you know, when we put a man on the moon in 1969, it was a group of people being led, uh, Uh, in the direction to accomplish something fantastic. And uh, you can even look around your house if you look at your flat screen TV. I mean, that is groups of people over many, many decades, you know, inventing different parts of the television. You know, the fabrication of metal and glass and the silicon chips and uh, the broadcast uh, capability and all of those things are accomplished through leadership. And so I think leadership is really important in our world. And as we know, Bad leaders can do a lot of damage, uh, they can hurt people, uh, they can hurt institutions, and good leaders can do a lot of good in the, in the opposite direction. So good leadership is really important to our country, and certainly to the church uh, as well.
1: Well, let's dive into these interesting uh, topics. Um, uh, surrender, you write a chapter called Surrender, Not My Will, But Thy Will. I want you to explain that.
3: Well, you know the basic Christian premise: uh, when we become Christians, we surrender our lives uh, to the Lord, and we uh, we lay down our lives before Him. And um, but surrender—I talk about surrender—is not a, uh, a one-time event, like uh, you know Lee surrendering to Grant at Appomattox. Uh, surrender is a lifelong thing, as we gradually let go of all of the things that we like to cling onto as human beings. Uh, For some, it's hard to surrender their career. For others, it's hard to surrender their money. You know, uh, it might be hard to surrender a a vice or a habit uh, that that you're—but the Lord wants us all in. He wants all of our chips pushed into the center of the table. He wants us completely surrendered. And I believe that for a Christian leader, that's uh, where—that's really the most important part of the equation. You know, once you have fully surrendered— uh, to the Lord and said, Lord, not my will, but thy will. Uh, God can do amazing things through you uh, when he has a surrendered servant who's available uh, to do his His bidding in the world. And so, you know, I, I I talk about, you know, every morning when we wake up, we should surrender again to the Lord for the day and uh, ask him to, uh, to guide us and lead us. So, I think being surrendered is really important. There was a time in my career, Pat, when um, I was fired from my job at Parker Brothers. It was very shocking. I was in my mid-30s. Everything I had touched had turned to gold there, and uh, I was suddenly fired. And I spent almost a year um, in the wilderness uh, doing some business with God. And I think ultimately when I look back on it, he was saying to me, Rich, you know, you have not surrendered your career. And You know, if you'll surrender your career, you know, I, there are amazing things we can do together, but you've got to put me first in your life. And uh, after that, I found the job at Lennox. you know, became CEO of that company. And then ultimately God led me to World Vision, but it required a complete surrender first, Uh, not my will, Lord, but your will.
1: Now, I want you to talk about the chapter called Sacrifice, Career Suicide? Well,
3: career you know, so the, the original uh, person that committed career suicide was probably the Apostle Peter, right? So we're told in the Gospels that when Jesus found Peter and Andrew at the shore, he said, come follow me. And we're told that they immediately left their nets. They didn't negotiate a salary package. They didn't negotiate a severance package. Uh, they No questions asked. They just followed Jesus. Uh, They committed career suicide, right? They said, look, our fishing business doesn't matter compared to what you have in store for us. And so um, that career suicide is um, you've got to put to death your ambitions. You know, I talk about we have to sacrifice our ambitions. We all have ambitions. We have to sacrifice our ambitions for Christ's ambitions for us. So once we get rid of our ambitions, uh, it's not wrong to have some hopes and dreams and ambitions, but they have to be surrendered at the feet of the Lord. And then uh, we have to say, Lord, what are your ambitions for my life? What would you like to see me do and be and become? And so I, I think, uh, you know, a Christian leader has to sacrifice that and be willing to go where God leads them. And ultimately, Peter uh was martyred for his faith uh, Uh, you know, he was crucified upside down, and somewhere around the year 65, 66 AD, um, he was fully surrendered to the Lord, and he did the Lord's uh, bidding.
1: Now, and our guest is Rich Stearns. Rich, tell me about trust. He's got this.
3: Yeah, so, Pat, as you can see, I've organized my book, uh, these values uh, that I talk about, values-driven leadership. I've got Seventeen chapters on seventeen values. We probably won't get through them all this morning, but uh, there's a chapter on each one of these values. And uh, trust, you know, once you've surrendered and, and once you've been willing to sacrifice your ambitions, um, you've got to trust God that you know He's got you covered. He's He's gonna He's gonna direct your life in a, in a powerful way. And you know, for me, uh, when I was called to World Vision back in 1998 it was a scary thing for me. I knew nothing about global poverty. I knew nothing about fundraising. I had no theological degree. And here was one of the biggest Christian organizations in the world. And God is calling me to this job. And I, I I remember saying to the Lord, are you sure you're not making a huge mistake here? I mean, this is, uh, I am not qualified for this job. And my first day in the office, uh, I remember, fervently, Lord, uh, no idea what to do. You know, it took all of my courage to just get here to say yes. Uh, But if you don't take over at this point, I'm just helpless. I I really don't know what to do. And this is going to be a mess. And it was almost like I heard the Lord say, Rich, I got this. Uh, You did what I asked you to do. You know, you surrendered. Uh, Now watch what I do. Um, uh, Trust me, I've got this. And it's trusting God for the outcomes. Right now, there's a lot of pastors who are discouraged in America uh, because of COVID, because of political divisions, because of all kinds of things going on in the church. Um, and my message to them would be, you got to trust God for the outcome. Just be faithful. Just, just do what you're called to do and get up every morning and do it again and trust, trust the Lord for the outcomes. We can't always control the outcomes right um Mm -hmm. but we can control our behavior we can control our attitudes and uh and uh and our our you know our relationship with the lord
1: rich stearns is our guest his book lead like it matters to god rich next topic excellence it's how you play the game
3: you know um one of the uh kind of radical I make in this book is that God is not impressed with our success. Success doesn't impress the Lord. Um, and, uh, and, and I actually say that as a leader, the outcomes of your work don't matter nearly as much to God as character and the way you achieve those outcomes. How you treat the people around you, you know, what kind of ambassador are you for the Lord in your workplace? It could be a secular workplace or a ministry workplace. Um, and so, a lot of leaders say to me, "Rich, what do you mean? Outcomes don't matter. I've got a board of directors, I've got shareholders, I've got whatever, you know, uh, holding me accountable." And my answer is that, you know, God is calling you to be faithful, not successful. There's a, a great Mother Teresa story that I start the book with that. Where she was asked once by Senator Mark Hatfield uh, years ago if she didn't feel like a failure because there was so much poverty in Calcutta. And she was just one little nun with a group of sisters working with her in the midst of an ocean of poverty. And Mother Teresa's answer was profound. She said, My dear Senator, God did not call me to be successful. He called me to be faithful. And I just think that is so profound that we're called to be faithful, not successful. But if we are faithful, and, if we, and part of being faithful is we work with excellence. We give it everything we've got. We do the best we can in whatever job we have with the gifts that God has given us. Um, but it's, it's not so much about the outcome. It's about the journey, you know, if you will. God is not as concerned about the destination as he is about the journey. And, um, and so we as Christians should give our best in our workplaces. I don't care if you work for Amazon or Microsoft or you work for a big Christian ministry uh, you're called to work with excellence and do your best, and then trust God for
1: those outcomes. Uh, I want to get moving rich to uh, love. What's love got to do with it? <laughs> I'm thinking well you know T- uh, I'm thinking uh, Tina Turner here, but uh, run with that one. you
3: know a lot of uh, a lot of leadership well, most leadership books won't have a chapter on love they will. Uh, they will have, I have a chapter on courage, I have a chapter on perseverance, I have a chapter on vision, you know, things that you'd expect to find in a leadership book. But we know that the greatest commandment is to love our neighbor as ourself. Uh, You know, Jesus said that multiple times, you know, the two great commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And a leader leads people. And that leader needs to look at those people, neighbors that need to be loved. You need to care about the people you work with, your employees. Uh, you need to look at them through the eyes of Christ, that um, these are people precious in the eyes of the Lord. And I've been entrusted to lead them for a season. <clears throat> and when you put people first like that, when you, when you care about their family life, their you know their career, you care about how they're doing and if they're making progress. Um, that sends a tremendous message uh, to the people you work with and a leader that cares about his or her employees is a leader that people love to follow, <clears throat> and I just think we're called to uh, um, uh, to first. Look at the people we work with—not as pawns on a chessboard, you know, people we could use to accomplish a goal, but as people precious to God, who we need to first and foremost approach with an attitude of love. You know, I uh, I uh, repurposed that um, that famous passage in First Corinthians about love that is read at a lot of marriage uh, ceremonies and. Uh, It's kind of a mantra for a leader, and uh, I'll kind of read it that way. Uh, As a leader, I am patient. I am kind. I do not envy. I do not boast. I am not proud. I do not dishonor others. I am not self-seeking. I am not easily angered. I keep no record of wrongs. I do not delight in evil, but rejoice with the truth. I always protect. I always trust. I always hope, and I always persevere. So if you take that and substitute I, the leader, uh, and those attributes of love, it's not a bad thing to recite every morning before you turn on your Zoom call or go to the office.
1: My guest is Rich Stearns. He's in Bellevue, Washington. We're talking about his book, Lead Like It Matters to God. More with Rich after this when we come back. The next topic for Rich, humility, the executive toilet, it's called. Uh, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990 and FM 101.5, The
0: Word. In Orlando, we'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Rich Stearns is with us.
1: Uh, we're talking about his uh, new book, Lead Like It Matters to God. And, uh, <clears throat> Rich, right before the break, I set you up with uh, uh, the next topic. Uh, talk to us about humility. Yeah. Um, leaders have a propensity
3: to be arrogant, right? So leaders have achieved some success. They've been promoted into a position of leadership. They have people looking up to them. They have people affirming them for their leadership. And so it's very easy to let that go to your head and to become kind of arrogant and self-seeking. And yet, you know, even our Lord, who is the Son of God, was a humble uh, person. And I love the definition of humility that Rick Warren put in his book uh, a number of years ago, that humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And um, so to be humbled, you know, you might be a very gifted leader uh, with lots of talents. And you don't have to diminish the fact that you have these talents and gifts. Uh, you may be a brilliant strategist. You know, you, you may be a, a great financial mind uh, to analyze financial statements and financial transactions. Uh, that's great because the Lord gave you those gifts, and you shouldn't think less of your gifts. Uh, that's not what humility is. Humility is thinking of yourself less thinking of others more. Um, A humble leader will surround themselves with good people, with good skill sets, and then he or she will listen to their advice. He will seek counsel from the people around them, uh, from the people around him or her. And um, whereas an arrogant leader will basically say, I don't need input from others. I don't need to listen to people. Uh, I'm the leader, you'll do what I tell you to do. And uh, that's the way this is going to work. You know, in this workplace, um, you know, you can obviously see that people don't want to work for someone like that, someone that thinks they have all the answers. And a leader that thinks they have all the answers really diminishes and devalues the people around them um, who have a lot to contribute, if you'll just let them contribute those things. So I think a leader with a humble spirit is just uh, a really important qualification uh, to be a, an effective and successful
1: leader. <clears throat> Rich, the next topic is integrity, who you are when no one is watching.
3: Well, in- integrity is, I would call, a bedrock value for uh, a leader, Christian leader or secular leader. Um, if you're not a person of integrity, if you don't have honesty, if you're not a truth teller, if, you're, if your word can't be trusted, um, uh, all kinds of things go wrong in your workplace, right? Um, now, we've probably all, during our lifetime, worked for someone that lacked that kind of integrity, someone that you couldn't trust, uh, someone that was manipulative, uh, some uh, someone that was self-seeking and would cut corners and maybe badmouth you behind your back in order for them to get ahead. Um, And when a leader lacks integrity, it creates a toxic workplace, Uh, a workplace where no one trusts anybody else, Uh, no one trusts the leader, people are guarded, Um, uh, they have to be careful what they say because they can't trust the leader with uh, telling them the truth. Um, Sometimes in extreme cases, that lack of integrity leads to uh, dishonesty or doing bad things. And one of the things I mention in my book is uh, the corporate scandal about the opioid pandemic. And uh, that some of these pharmaceutical companies, even when they knew that there was an addiction crisis with opioid drugs and it was literally killing their own customers, They kept selling more and more and pushing more and more out there because uh, they wanted to make more money. They wanted to have more profits. And the fact that people were dying of this uh, didn't matter. Now, that's the ultimate in the lack of integrity in a workplace, um, that they would compromise the, the very lives of their customers in the quest for more profits. And, of course, now, years later, lawsuits are being settled and huge jury awards are being given to the victims of the opioid pandemic and the pharmaceutical companies that were involved are paying the price. It starts with a lack of integrity.
1: Now, Rich, I want you to talk to us about an important one. They're all important. Vision. Seeing a better tomorrow. Yeah.
3: Well, in this chapter, I talk about how one of the most important tasks of a leader is to create a vision for a different and better future uh, for an organization, and also a belief that it can be achieved. So, every organization has a past, a present, and a future, and um, a leader is the—he's the person driving the bus. Uh, into the future. He's, he's driving the organization into the future or she's driving the organization into the future. And I, I once described leadership as, uh, you know, uh, you're driving a bus, people, the people that you work with uh, in a blizzard with no headlights and no windshield wipers at night at 70 miles an hour on a curving road. And everybody in the back of the bus is complaining uh, uh, about your driving. Uh, In other words, leadership, we don't know the future as leaders, and yet uh, we're called to lead an organization forward into the future and to create some certainty and some confidence in the employees that we know where we're going. (laughs) So to do that, you have to have a clear vision of where you're trying to move a department or an organization or a church. Um, You want everybody in the organization to understand that vision and that direction and to have confidence in it. And then you as a leader have to eat, sleep, drink, and breathe that vision every day when you go to work. You've got to embody that that vision of where we're going and what we're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, I mentioned the space program earlier, the, the moonshot in 1969, but that was an incredible vision, that, you know, before the iPhone, before computers were very sophisticated, we had a vision that we could put – person on the moon. And the men and women who led that effort, um, had to keep that vision in front of the staff, the scientists, the employees every single day for a decade. Um, and finally it was achieved and everybody knew what the vision was and everybody knew that there were many obstacles to overcome. Uh, but that was a great example of how leadership with vision was able to accomplish something amazing. Uh, and so vision is is a really important thing about helping to define the reality of the organization uh, in which you're working and to help other people see the way forward.
1: Rich, the next topic, and the book is called Lead Like It Matters to God. Courage, do not be afraid.
3: <clears throat> Courage is a more traditional thing you think about when you think about a leader, a great leader has courage. And, you know, at the beginning of each chapter in this book, I have a a leadership principle uh, for that chapter. And let me just read the one on courage. Uh, It goes like this. Leaders who demonstrate courage when facing tough challenges and decisions will inspire their teams to overcome their own fears, enabling better performance and greater focus on the desired outcomes. Um, If you're fearful, uh, you know, organizations are often confronted with difficult challenges, difficult problems, uh, downturns in the economy. Um, uh, COVID-19 is a great example. Uh, in the midst of COVID-19, every leader in every organization in the world, in the world had to figure out what do we do now? This is unprecedented. How is this going to affect our organization? Are we going to survive? Um, And I don't care if it was a local dry cleaner who was wondering what to do when no one was dry cleaning their clothes or whether it was the president of a nation uh, trying to figure out how to lead the nation through this crisis. Um, That was a fearful time. And uh, what courage can do is it can it can stiffen the spines of everybody in the organization. If the leader has courage, if the leader believes we're going to get through this. Uh, We're going to find a way. Uh, I know we can do it. Um, And and the leader can kind of stare at the problem unflinchingly. Um, The people in the organization get that resolve as well and that belief that we can overcome this difficult, difficult situation. So a courageous leader is one that can not only face problems with courage, uh, but inspire courage in the people around them. Uh, so that they can together face
1: those problems. My friends, Rich Stearns has been our guest. Lead Like It Matters to God, many, many leadership books out there. Boy, this sounds like a winner. Values-driven leadership in a success-driven world. We've got a wrap-up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando.
0: More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Well, folks, thanks for joining us here on the Pat Williams
1: Saturday Power Hour. Troy Anderson, our guest in the first segment, uh, talking about his book, The Military Guide to Disarming Deception. And then Rich Stearns uh, joined in with us, and we uh, talked leadership with him, talked about his book, Lead Like It Matters to God. And speaking of books, uh, our latest book is out. I wrote it with my friend Mark Atterbury. It's a uh, a sports devotional book. Every Day is Game Day is the title, and uh, 365 uh, sports-related devotions, one for every day of the year. So if you love sports and you love the Lord, this is uh, this is a good combo platter for you. Uh, every day is game day. Uh, we're back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Stay tuned all day long to AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. Have a great week ahead. We'll see you next weekend.
0: God bless. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this time where faith comes by hearing the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word.